1. As I said, chapter 1 is, was all about Nehemiah's prayer. First and foremost, we recognize that Nehemiah's name means God's comfort. And throughout the whole episode of Nehemiah from chapter 1 to 13, we can actually see that he lived the name. He was a comforter to the people. He was a good listener. When the people bring complaints, they are bound to get their solution met because he brings comfort to the people. And that's to tell us that many of us have this biblical name that we are bearing. But have we actually looked into our names and looked into our lifestyle? Is our lifestyle matching the name that we carry? So I just found out that Nehemiah was just a man that lived his name. He brought comfort to the people. During his tenure, everyone had rest. There was rest in the land, and people were at peace. Now, when Nehemiah had the bad news about the wall of Jerusalem was broken down, Pastor, I've already mentioned how passionate he was. This man was a man who lived in comfort, even though he was in Babylon, but he lived in comfort. He could have just said, I can't be bothered about my people back home. I'm here anyway. But when he heard the bad news, he was so compassionate. And he was, his heart broke down. The Bible says he covered himself with ashes. He went into fasting. The king was not his first, his first, his first point of call. It was God. How many of us have heard bad news and the first thing that comes to our mind is, oh, I have to ring Mommy Oma now. I have to ring Apostle now. We are not saying you shouldn't ring them, but your first point of call must be God. Then if you now need a further counsel, at least you can go further. So in whatever situation that we, and we saw all this throughout the period of Nehemiah, even from Chapter 1 to 13, whenever there is a situation or where there is, a, there is a challenge, he always informed God first. And that is why he was able to operate in discernment. There was not a, a scripture or a verse written in the book of Nehemiah that said that God said to me. God said to me. But he operated in discernment just because he acknowledged God in all of his ways. He made God his number one. He knew that his solution would not come from man. He knew that his solution would not come from the king, but his solution will come from God. And because he made God his number one, that is why he was able to be spot on every time. So going further, he said God, okay, God was his first point of call before approaching the king. He committed what he intended to discuss with the king to God, discussing before discussing with the king. And that confirms the book of Proverbs that I said that in all of our ways we should acknowledge God. God must be, God must first hear our voice first before man. And said our prayer must begin now in the book of, in that chapter one, it talked about his prayer lifestyle. And I knew when mommy was going through it, through this uh, chapter one, he, she make reference to the Lord's prayer, how God taught us how Jesus taught us how to pray. And our first point of call was that we should adore God. We should not bring our shopping list. I call it shopping list, our prayer requests to God and said, I'm bombarding God with my problem. God wants you to praise him first. By the time you praise God, and it has happened to a number of us, 
who live a prayerful life, by the time you praise God, your problem will matter no more. Because by the time you praise God, your faith is challenged, your faith is charged up, and you are able to pray not the problem, but you are praying the solution. So we should always start our prayer by adoring God, by telling how God was. God is bigger than the problem we can ever think. He is the solution giver. He is solution himself. So there is no situation that confronts us that God cannot deal with. With God, all things are possible. But in the life of Nehemiah, he lived a life of adoration. He praised God. He worshipped God. He reminded the God of the victory of the past. And after he has done that, he now committed the sin of his forefathers and his own sin. And I remember Apostle was in our midst then. He, he contributed that in our own dispensation now, we don't need to remember the sins of our forefathers. We don't have to say, oh, God forgive me for the sin that my forefathers have. No, we don't have to do that. In their own dispensation, they can. But we, couldn't, we can't do that. But we need to confess our sins. We shouldn't be righteous. And he could have excluded himself and said, oh, look, these are the people who have sinned. As for me, I'm righteous. But he, after he has confessed the sin of his people, he confessed his own sins. And that's to tell us that when we approach God, let's not just be over-righteous, let's not be holier than thou. We need to acknowledge God and say, God, you know that you are strong, high, and weak. There might be certain things that I may be doing that I don't even regard as sin. But God, if there's anything that I've done that is contrary to your will, forgive me. And after he has confessed his sin, he now brought his request before God. And he was specific. And that is to tell us that when we come before God, we must know what we want. We must know what we want, must be specific. He told God how the walls are broken down, how he needs favor from the king. And because he specifically mentioned that to God, when he actually approached the king in chapter 2, that was exactly what he had. He obtained favor from the Lord. So I just leave it open for others because I can go other than. Can we have another microphone, please? Okay. Like something that is similar to Nehemiah and uh, uh, Abraham's servants in the book of Genesis chapter 24. Yes. There is something that is in the book of Genesis chapter 24. When the servant of Abraham was to go and get a wife for Isaac, what happened? He sought God in prayer. When Nehemiah was to take decision of the broken wall, he sought God in prayer. I want you to write that down. And there is something about him as well and Moses. There is something about Nehemiah and Moses. In the book of Hebrew, chapter 11, 24 to 26, he said that Moses did not consider the wealth and the luxury of the palace, but it decided to go for the Lord. There are some times that God is giving us a task that must be done. Do we look at our own, you understand how possible or how flexible it is? Moses did not do that. If Moses had been depending on the wealth of Egypt, he wouldn't have delivered the children of Israel. I want us to write that down. 
And there is something about Nehemiah and Jesus. Amen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus was given for us. Because Jesus was given for us, he took it upon himself to take the task of the cross. So I want you to write that down. That can be compared with Nehemiah. Nehemiah left everything. Jesus left everything just to face the purpose for which he was sent into the world. So I want us to put that on board, to leave that in our hearts, and the Lord will bless us by it. Is there anything that is debarring us from serving God? Nothing should debar us. Because if something has debarred Nehemiah, we wouldn't have done that. There is something again about the project. If you look at that, uh, Nehemiah chapter 1, 4 to 11, Nehemiah prayed about the project. How he went before the Lord and said, God should grant him, you know, favor, and God should send him for this great work that he's going for. He prayed about the project. Is there any project that we are handling at this hour or that we are about or yet to handle? We must put it to God in prayer. He brought the, uh, brought the project to the attention of those in authority. And he was given permission. Nehemiah chapter 2, 1 to 10. Amen. Let whoever want to contribute to contribute. Amen. I just want to add a bit to chapter 1, then I'll move to chapter 2. It's just the power in name when you taught us this book. Pastor Debbie has already spoken about Nehemiah. And she's spoken about Nehemiah knowing the word of God. But I'm looking at it that he knows the word of God through the Father. The meaning of the name of the Father means wait for the Lord. And the meaning of the name of the brother is the Lord is gracious. So this, he was brought up, that's my understanding, in a family that knows what the word of God is. And that's why one of his brothers could come to him to say, this is what has happened to the walls of Jerusalem. I'll move on to chapter 2, some of the things you taught us and some of the things I've meditated upon. It's in our service. You said he, was, he must have been a really bubbling person. That's why the king could notice his countenance when he came before the king. That whatsoever our hands finds to do, we should do it with all our might. We should rejoice in the estate in which we are, whether it's a low estate at the moment or it's a high estate that you might call it. The Bible talks of our days of little beginning. You could have just said, what's my job? I'm a, job, I'm a cup bearer and not rejoice in his work. So it just exalted me that what, wherever we are, whatever job we are doing, we should do it as unto the Lord. Then we, he, he spoke that you also taught us at the time that illnesses can, there are things that could affect our countenance. Maybe when we come before the Lord's presence or when we go to work or when we are meeting our brethren, we should take it to the Lord rather than responding to that. And you said we leaders in the house, we should consign ourselves as workers in the house. So even when things are happening and we come into the house, we should continue to do our work cheerfully. Praise God. 
in verse 4 to 5, this has always been my note and I think I've contributed it before, that he was clear-minded. Before he answered, he prayed. He knew to know, to be sure. I think, I normally think that he just paused to say, God, am I to speak or not? But he prayed to the Lord before answering. So sometimes, especially as women, or also men, not to be um, to show any form of prejudice. Sometimes we speak before we think, and the Bible says that we should be slow to speak but quick to hear. And I think that's what Nehemiah demonstrated in verse four to five. He was slow to speak because he was still communi- communicating with God. He prayed, and I thought that was important. From verse six to eight. He was able to set a time before God, when he was, not before God, when he was asked. So, if somebody, the Bible says that whoever wants to build a tower, you should know the cost. I'm paraphrasing now. And I think the same thing. When he was asked, how long will you be, go, able, will be going for? He's already thought about it, and he could answer he was going for 52 days. So, I think with us, whatever, you've already spoken about project, if we have anything to take it to God, while we are taking it to God, the Lord will open our eyes. He's omnipresent, he's omnipotent. So, I think he was somebody that was accountable. He was prudent in the way he does things. And we saw that all through the scripture. Um, and you also use this to remind us, especially those of us that were abroad, that we are on a pilgrimage. God is sending us on a journey. And because we are on a journey, we should remember to pray for the land, as the scripture has asked us, that we should pray for the peace of Jerusalem. The peace of Jerusalem, to some of us that are abroad, is still our home. And that's something I, I took to mind when you taught us this. And he found favor because he's already done the right thing by going before God. The king was able to give him a letter. And you said, how many of us in that place of work will be able to give us references? If people ask that, if you ask people for reference, do you have the right standing? And that's bringing it to us, what we do. And the gracious hand of God was with him. Praise the Lord. Following up from what Dickness Snicker just shared with, um, so going down to verse, from verse 12, uh, Mommy began to tell us uh, that as leaders, you must use those who are willing to work. You know, we should, and because throughout the whole time, when Nehemiah, you know, went back, he looked for those who were willing to do the work. And he said, as, as leaders, when we're being put as heads of departments, we must look for those who are willing. Then they must willingly, because when people are willing to do the work, they will do it wholeheartedly. She also taught us about, you know, the kind of 
person Nehemiah was in terms of his planning because Nehemiah he went out at night and he surveyed the wall by night so he was a man that before he even chose the people and looked for the willing people he went to survey he went to look he went to look at the table went to look at what needed to be rebuilt and mommy said that she really laid emphasis on us as women when she was doing that but she said she used to be the I think she said she used to be the watchman of the night in her home whereby when everybody goes to sleep she's the one that will go around to all the children's room and she'll check to see they're okay she'll check that everything in the kitchen was right she'll check that the doors are locked the person that left their plate or left anything around she'll make sure that she watches over them and then she prays for them before she goes to bed so she makes sure that she's the last person that goes to bed that night and that was one thing that Nehemiah was he went to survey he went to look at the wall so that he will be able to know what to tell the people that needs to be done and then he also she also through when she spoke about that also she also said God is looking for owls of the night people who will rise up those who will rise up and they will pray and she also mentioned to us also that Nehemiah was a detailed man. He was detailed in his position of everything on how he was going to carry out the work. And she said, we as individuals also, we, shall, we must be people of detail. We must observe. We must look. We must plan and see everything that we want to do in the house of God. Even as God has given us this temple. She said, we need to look around and see where the gaps are and see how we can use our skills and our talents to fill those to interrupt you there. What uh, sister is talking about now, you can see it in chapter 2, verses 11 to 18. So you can mark it in your Bible. That is, he worked out his plans and actions. Yes, yes, Even when the people do not, did not know where Nehemiah was, he had already gone to be working out his plans and uh, actions. For adventure, you did not. Because he said, I and a, and a few men with me, I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Nor was there any, uh, was there any animal with me. You know, when he mentioned animal, it's like, you know, they use horses to go around and everything. But he was alone, except the one on which I rode. And I went out by night through the valley gate to the serpent well and the refuse gate and viewed the walls of Jerusalem which was broken down and its gate which was burned with fire. Is a man that walked out his plans. Amen. Amen and actions. Amen. And another thing she another thing she shared with us said we must call all our children and leaders and rebuild the words of God so we won't be so we won't be disgraced. She said because if we do not take the work of God serious, she said we don't put things in place, we do not plan and if we don't look for the details and call our children she said because the rebuilding is just not about the adults but also the children and she told us the importance of us making sure that we carry our children along 
with the vision and with the work that is taking place here in the cathedral. And then she also taught us also that the the work of the the church requires every man's effort so we can all work together. In other words, she she reminded us again that some of us have been coming to church for a while that we're not doing anything. She said we need to wake up to the call. We need to wake up to the rebuilding of the temple. She also spoke to us about this cathedral that we've been coming. We've been coming so much about the church hasn't been filled, but there's something that's in each one of us that we can contribute to make sure that the building of the, that we rebuild the, the temple, just as Nehemiah rebuilt the temple. And she, the last thing I'm going to show in chapter two, so I can give someone else an opportunity to speak, was that she said Nehemiah displayed, and everything he displayed, he make he made an impact in his time. He said, as God has brought us here to the to the Woolwich Cathedral, we too must make an impact that will attract the people into the temple. Amen. Amen. Because he's talking about the rebuilding of the wall, there's something that happened to the nobles. Who can tell me what happened to the nobles? They did not join. You know, like the people of Zebulon, and uh, when he talked about them, he talked about the people that helped uh, Deborah as well. I made reference to Judges chapter 4. Some were, take, were sitting down by the fire, and some were actually, actually joined Deborah in building the work. And what happened to some of the daughters? They joined. They joined together. Even the, the I wrote here, women worked on the wall of Jerusalem, carrying out a difficult and dangerous task. You know, sometimes... Uh, that is the contribution of the daughter of Shalom. Sometimes, you know, in the house, the way I was raised is like, there are some jobs that are meant for men and for women. You know, maybe the laundry part, we are not allowed to iron because, you know, in those days we have charcoal iron. Those of you that are privileged to have uh, all this plugged in, you just plug in and iron. You have to fan to flame the iron first, that iron with the cock head. You open it and put the charcoal, and until the thing is before you can use it to iron. A lot of you understand what I'm talking about. Aha. Uh-huh. So, like that kind of work, they let the men do it. Today, you just put your, I'm going to get that charcoal iron so that our children will see. Before you can launder, and you must, the charcoal is really charcoal. And it must, I, my, my uniform is white. And with pleats as well, pleated, well pleated, so that I can put belt. Then this tummy is really, you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> So and the and those uh, uh, this thing can really cut your hand the the all the pleats and everything and you must be very careful where you do that iron so they allow the men to to do the ironing because they are very heavy that iron too can be heavy today you just plug it on you don't need to put charcoal a lot of you are enjoying so even women were and we did the work building uh, the wall uh, the, the gates so and they said the the daughters of who. May our names be mentioned that our children too are part of the work of ministry. But some did not help. I began to mention their names and may our name be written down in the book of life in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes, any contribution? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, I'm just going to, I didn't do a chapter that chapter, but I just want 
Um, okay. Um, I, th- I read here. He encouraged them in the Lord and shared his testimony. This is when Nehemiah was going to rebuild the wall. He first surveyed. He was an encourager and he encouraged the people before he now started the walk. Um, as a leader, he was not intimid- intimidated by those who wanted to discourage him. He focused on his goal. As a leader, we must lead by example. We must be bold in the Lord, not easily discouraged by what people say about what we are doing, as long as we are assured that this is what God has called one to do, and be ready to rebuke when we see things are not being done properly. Nehemiah was um, bold enough and outspoken to rebuke those that he felt were doing contrary to the plan of God or when they were discouraged, when they were taking, um, I think, the other um, Jewish, Jewish members of other families as slaves. He rebuked them and they corrected their way. I also said that every family was allocated a work to do. What work are we doing in the household of faith? Are we building or are we pulling down the work of God? May we, also be, may we always be a source of encouragement to those around us and be able to challenge one another to do good, to do good work. Then I talked about uh, Sambalat and Tobiah who tried to stop the work and tried to discourage people and how Nehemiah stood against them. He, I also talked about how they first um, wanted to attack his mind and that as children of God we shouldn't be discouraged and that the enemy will first try to attack us in our minds before he now tries to attack us physically. They tried to intimidate Nehemiah saying that he should calm down but he wasn't um, dissuaded in what he was doing. He continued to build the work. He, wasn't, he said he was doing the work that he would not calm down. When, they tr- when all those attacks failed, then the work continued. I think, I just don't want to repeat what he said. There is something about Nehemiah here. It's like we are, as sister is talking about chapter 4, all to chapter 6. He was an encourager, yes? Yes. And uh, very prayerful. When Tobias and uh, Shambhalat and all the rest of that, look at what he said. That's chapter 4, verse, uh, uh, verse 3. Now Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him. And he said, whatever they build, if even a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. A fox. You can see that sometimes our words are used to discourage us. You must rely only on the word of God. But what did Nehemiah do? He prayed. I love Nehemiah's lifestyle of prayer. And I want you to mark that verse 4. Now, hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach on their own heads. And give them as plunder to the land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity. And do not let their sin be blotted out from before you. For they have provoked you to anger before the builder. So we did what? We built, verse 6, I'm reading chapter 4, I've just finished chapter 4, verse 5. So we built the wall, and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height, for the people had a mind to what? To work. I want in the midst of opposition, we must support our leaders. We must support the Levite, we must support the priest, we must support the main man in the house, Apostle Williams. Amen? Amen. He said, I want you to, because the people had a mind to do what? Work. I want you to underline your scripture there, peradventure you have forgotten. Because when you underline and you are steric, then 
people have the mind to work. If you have opportunity to pray, pray for the church of God, Christ straight up. And I could pray for the church of God globally. That God should give us a heart to work. If you have a mind or a heart to work, nothing can discourage us. All these that they are saying people are pulling out of church or something. No, nothing can distract you. Because your heart is in doing God's work. You, you know there are some people in the midst of opposition, they fall. In the midst of opposition, they, they, they go back. Opposition comes in various ways. It might come through friends. It might come through husband. It might come through wife. It might come through children. Are you listening to me? But when you have your mind upon God... When your hope is fixed on nothing else than Jesus Christ and the cross, nothing can take you out. Are you still in the church? Can such word take you out? What is happening? No, 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 it shouldn't take you. Because you have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 16. Let us pray for the mind of Christ. Amen? When we have the mind of Christ, the Christ's mind was to do the work and to do what? To complete it. Nothing, opposition, temptation, nothing was able to, because he said the purpose for which I have come to this world is to do the work and do one and complete it. So let's pray for that mind of Christ. Each time we come through opposition, always look unto the author and the finisher of our faith and say that my heart is to do the work and also to do what? To complete it. We must not, look, Paul actually did the work and completed it. In that book of uh, Philippians, I think chapter 4, he, was, he said, I fought a good fight of faith. And he said, I know, it's a, there awaits me that crown of righteousness. Hallelujah. So that we can be able to speak the same language. So the mind should do the work. My, if you have to pray, for any, uh, pray any prayer for the church, give us the heart to do the work and complete it. Because Nehemiah, they actually, actually completed the work in the midst of all this enemy. Amen? And that chapter, uh, the, the chapter 5, yes, who wants to go ahead? We have talked about chapter 4, uh, chapter four and 6 now, but Nehemiah deal with oppression. There are some people that came to oppress him as well. Chapter 5, what note did you write down on chapter 5? Written a note down, chapter 5. You want to read it for us? I don't want to give you everything. There also it talks about generosity of Nehemiah. How Nehemiah was generous. Yes? Yes, go on. Praise the Lord. In chapter 5, Nehemiah taught us how to um, deal with injustice. God's people must never take advantage of one another. We must recognize that we should not emulate the world system as you taught us, Mom. God's system is based on love and fairness. His character portrays how a leader should handle crisis or response to situation. We must also support the work of God, the work of the ministry, wholeheartedly. And also, this is demonstrated by the way he prays when he always does things in doing the work of God. We must also be attentive to the trumpets, the call, the fear of God, 
and reference God. He reference God. We can see how he reference God in everything he does. And whatever position we find ourselves. And in chapter 5, he also tells us that um, we must be generous to the poor. And you taught us about giving sacrificially to the work of God in one of the, in these chapters. As one of the examples you gave when you were teaching us. We must give to the poor as well. If, they, if we saw that someone in the church is lacking in certain area, we don't need to say that we are the one giving them. We can just send someone to them and bless that person. We must look inside the house of God and bless people in terms of giving out as well. He was totally committed to the work of God. As a leader, we must have a servant's heart. A leader must be a servant that people can come to. And that was what was coming up in, in his character and his, um, his attitude as well. He denied himself. He, he was meant to earn more, but he said to the people that he doesn't want any wages. So he denied himself the extra finance. It was meant to be paid. And also in order to provide for the needs of the inhabitants of Jerusalem. He continued the work and he relinquished his own right as well as we saw in chapter 5. He did not want to be put, he did not want to put any burden on the people and he asked God to bless him and to bless his work. This is where you thought about God, he prayed that God should remember him in everything he does. He should open his call of remembrance concerning him. As he, any work of God will cost a great price. He paid the price as well so that God can be glorified in the work he does. And God expects us to continue with the work even in the, mil- in the midst of every situation or difficulty. Is God, is the work of God must continue. He always, there are always people who are willing to try to make us or, or, mis- or make misfortune out of others. The leader, he must be a good example. As a leader, we must, be, we must be a good example. And correcting a problem, when we saw anyone that they are facing problems or anything that is not right as leaders, we must challenge the situation and bring correction. And we must be effective as well when we make pu- correction and also make public declaration of his faith to the children of God. Thank you. Amen. Is there any other contribution? I want us to be fast, fast, fast now. Yes. Yes, nobody. Let's just look at Jeremiah's generosity there in that chapter 5. And when other people are putting burden on the people, Nehemiah did not put burden on his own people. That is very straightforward. And let's look at that. And hence, Nehemiah was able to pray, remember me, my God, for the good according to all I have done for these people. Can you pray that prayer that God should remember you? Which good have you done? Have you been doing wickedness to the people like the other people that were taxing them and taking from them? But Nehemiah did not do that. Nehemiah sacrificed by giving himself and also giving his money. That you can see in that 14, chapter 5, 14 to 19. You want to mark it. Then conspiracy against Nehemiah, chapter 6. There is something about this conspiracy against Nehemiah. When when Nehemiah faced that conspiracy, what happened to him? He did what again? He prayed. So let let our lifestyle be a prayerful uh, 
Hebrew. He said, uh, Now therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. That's me. We must really adjust to Nehemiah's prayer. Amen. Amen. Strengthen my hands. In the midst of uh, problems or difficulties, we must pray that the Lord should strengthen our hands in Jesus' name. Amen. Even when they hired uh, people to talk against Nehemiah, what happened? He, he, he prayed as well. He said here, for this reason, he was hired that I should be afraid and act that way and sin, so that they might have, of course, for an evil report, that they might reproach me. My God, remember Tobiah and Shambhalat according to... Uh, to these their works, and the prophetess Nodea, and the rest of the prophet who would have made me afraid. In the midst of every opposition, Nehemiah prayed. And towards the end of that chapter 6, he talks about uh, uh, the wall being completed. Amen. Amen. So we want to contribute more. I don't want to go on and on. Yes, the completion of the wall. Yes. You've actually summarized it, but I just want to yes. make mention of the um, that phrase that we love in the book of Nehemiah. <laughs> and I love I'm it. I'm doing a great work here. Yes. I cannot come down. You know, for the fact yes. that he actually mentioned this four times, is that the people kept on coming to him, mm. saying the same thing. Uh, it just strike a chord to me that Satan never gives tired. You never get tired. Mm. Never get tired. The more we are winning the battle, the more he's coming up with another battle. Mm. And it's like he can taunt us with the same words. And we, as we should be like angels. You know, apostles have taught us about ministration of angels. That when in, when you have an angelic encounter, they don't repeat their words. They won't change their words. Mm. It's like when the angel came to Mary and she said that you are going to be with a child and said, "How can this be? How can this be?" The angel have to tell her, look, the power of God will come upon you. I believe that even if Mary have to repeat that word, how can it be? It's the same phrase the angel will keep on saying. And that is to tell us that in any situation we find ourselves, let's keep to the world. Let's keep to the word of God. Let's not compromise our faith because this man never compromised his faith. He knew he was doing a great work. And he knew that the, 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 the opposition, the, their strategy was so simple and clear. They want to weaken the hands of the people. But he never allowed them. He said, I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down. And mommy simply put it so much that God has given us a great work to do. We are on top. And someone who is doing a work for God will always be on top. The moment you are listening to side talks and people are saying that, are you the only one in church? Are you the, only, are you the person who killed Jesus? Then you will actually be distracted. And the work that you are doing that is great 
we come to a standstill. Or you are not moving forward. God wants us to move forward. But the only way we can move forward is when we keep focus. The Bible says we should look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Satan will not get tired until we see Jesus face to face. Or until or maybe we, if we die, that comes to the end of our own lives. But we should be ready to fight. Because this man was a fighter. He was a fighter to the end and he obtained the victory. So if we want to obtain the victory, we want to hit the goal, we need to keep on looking onto Jesus and never be distracted. People will talk. People will talk. When you are doing something for God, people will always talk against it. And we should be ready to answer them the same phrase that, look, I'm doing the great work and I cannot come down. And that will silence the enemy. Another thing that I was actually looking into, look at how the man was able to discern when they were saying that he's just doing this work so that he can become king. You know, there are several phrases that might be phrased to you, several talk that people can talk to you. You know, sometimes when you are committed doing the work of God, ah, he's looking for position. But you know in your heart you are not looking for position. You know in your heart that you are not looking for position. Amen. Amen. And when he wanted to, they wanted even the priests and the prof, uh, prophets, they want to trick him to go into the temple at a particular time to go and hide. You know, he was able, able to discern that, that that is not his own uh, uh, portion to do that. And I read the book of Numbers 18, 7 to you. Because that is the word of God for them. It's only the priest that should go into the temple at such a time. Amen. So was able to discern. So we ask for the gift of discernment. So that in case the enemy is trying to step on our toes in, in other ways, we must be able to use the word of God to combat the enemy. Yes. Uh, uh, Brother Zach. I think Dickiness wanted to talk. But when Brother Zach finished, eh? because I saw the hand, but I've forgotten that you raised your hand too. I'll be quick. Um, <clears throat> chapter 6, I mean, what Pastor and yourself have already said is pretty much it. I mean, I remember writing down a couple of things. Um, I said, anytime the enemy attempts to hinder you um, from seeking or serving God, your response must always be, I'm doing a great work. The enemy's aim um, is to pull you back. Um, but you must be ready to reject their attempts every time. And you mentioned the scripture, John 19, verse 1 to 16, which is Jesus in the um, desert when he was uh, being uh, tempted by the enemy. And he went away and he came back and he went away and he came back. And as Pastor Debbie said, he always waits for an opportune time. That's one of apostles uh, preaching from so many years ago. And the devil waited for an opportune time. He came back and he always waits. He'll leave you for a period of time to feel that you've got enough strength and sometimes we think in our ability and in our humanity that we've mastered this uh, this Christianity, we've mastered it and then all of a sudden out of nowhere something will come that will shake our belief and that's when we need to really fall back on God um, I wanted to say the enemy um, can also use flattery as well as criticism to, to in equal measure to try and um, move you off and throw away your focus they may accuse you falsely um, and ask you to defend yourself in their presence but one of the amazing things was um, you don't need to defend yourself because the battle is not ours it's, it's God so one of the amazing things that I, 
I take away from this is we can we we need to have discernment. We need to know when we are dealing with the enemy. We need to know because when Jesus saw that the devil was speaking through the mouth of Peter, he said, "Devil, get thee behind me." He didn't say Peter. He didn't respect the man because he knew the man. He saw the enemy and he saw the enemy because he had discernment. He could pick up the fact that it wasn't Peter speaking, it was actually the devil speaking. So we should um, attempt to do it. And the last thing I'll say is, um, the one of the things that just amazed me about chapter 6 was the fact that it, it documented the fact that it took 52 days for them to rebuild the wall. And to me, in some of these scriptures, when you read them, you can quickly glide over that and not really realize the s- significance of 52 days. 52 days is one month and three weeks. It's one month and three weeks. In life, even to build a house, could you do that in one month and three weeks? Like it is, it's an amazing, we're talking about a city. We're not talking about a house or, or a, a home or a, a, a a town we're talking about a city and a huge city you know and that's the, one of the things that lets me know and it was pastor Josiah that was like and it wasn't them doing it all the time in one hand they had a weapon in the other hand they had their their, uh, their tool so really they were spending half the time thinking about the work and half the time defending the work it was just amazing to me so that was the, the, the last thing that I remember from chapter 6 you guys put our hands together. I'm going to be calling some of you. If you don't talk now, I'm going to call you so you better look through your notes. Yes. Uh? Just two things I want to add to chapter 6, and it's a good point to talk now. Mm-hmm. First thing I remember that you told us on the day is when we are working for the Lord or whatever work we are doing, it is whatever we call it. Nehemiah realized he's doing a great work and he emphasized that he saw it as a great work not an ordinary work so whatever you are doing whatever you call it is what it is if you think it's a chambered work that's what it's going to turn out to be and that's something he said it's a great work and it cannot come down just to continue with prophet Zach's um, comment and this came to me as a word of encouragement to us here today and that's why I'm going to read it out in chapter 16 it said when all our enemies heard about this all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work has been done with the help of our God. Praise the Lord. Mm. So whatever the Lord has committed into your hands, whatever the project you have, whatever he's called you into, just know that the Lord is the one, is our helper, is our strong tower, he's our defender, he's the one that is able to lift us up. And like we read during, I think it was in Psalm 18, it is through God that we've been able to advance through the truth. And it's not by the work of man. So we should always bear that in mind. See how great it is. And I think um, Pastor Josiah also made it clear to us. He brought the tape and showed us what they did. And we can look at it that it is only done with the help of the Lord. Praise God. Amen.
can I move us on to chapter 7, please? Yes. Yeah, okay. If you want to contribute to chapter 6, you will go to 7. Okay. Praise God. Let's put our hands together, you know. We must... Uh, you know, when they play football, there are some people that, you know, you know, and some are playing. Okay. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Nehemiah has a very close relationship with God. So when he was uh, sort of threatened, people tried to kill him in chapter 6. He wasn't afraid of them. Sort of reminded me of Apostle, you know, he was talking about this recent crusade to Nigeria. It was sort of challenging the occult people, the witches come and everything, because he knows his God. He has strong confidence in his God. He knows that the angels of God are there to support whenever he goes to the crusade or to go and do God's work. So we also, we've got to have a close, intimate relationship with God. We mustn't allow any little forces to come into our lives. When we have that close relationship with God, and when we're going out there with apostle or with mommy to the mission field to do God's work, we don't have to be afraid of any threats from anyone. Because we know that he that is for us is greater than he that's in the world. So we've got to really bear that in mind. And I don't want to repeat what other people have said. But the key to Nehemiah's success was prayer. Every single step he took, even when he was to um, serve wine to the king. And the king asked him, why is your countenance um, very sad? Before he replied, he prayed. He said, oh God, you know, help me to give the right answer. I think when Apostle took us during that section, I didn't mention that to, to him. And Apostle said, yes, some of us, when we go out for interview, if you are asked questions, that's quite complicated. And we don't know what to say. Can we look, someone can be sitting right in front of you right there and then. But you can be communicating with God and be asking God, Lord, what should I say to this answer? Give me, give me the right response. So... The key, the, the, the key points I want to raise is Nehemiah was a man of prayer. He had a close relationship with God. And because of that, he was afraid of absolutely nobody. And we also, we, have, we ought to have that strong rela- relationship with God. Whatever we do, you know, some of the pastors and deaconesses and leaders have said, some of our brethren, We've got to make sure that whatever we do, we don't just do things because people are doing things and they are succeeding. We must do that. You've got to hear from God. What is God telling you to do? When you, you are constantly in prayer with God, then you can be very, very certain that you have good success. Praise God. Amen. You know, it's 9 o'clock. And I really want us to contribute quick, 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 quick because we must finish it so that I can go to Ezra. Amen. So, yes. Are you going to chapter 7? No, no. Later. Let's go to 7. It's 9 o'clock now. Sorry about that, Pastor. Write what you want to contribute there because you are still going to say it before we go. It's 9 o'clock. I'm supposed to come and drive us. I left with me. I thought maybe we should go to 9.30 so that we can quickly, because I want everything to, so that I can fresh again. Yes. And I want you to quickly go, uh, as many that want to contribute, just go straight to the point and come out, to the point and come out. I have things I have to say, but I didn't say much, so that we can go quickly. Okay, go on. To chapter In chapter seven. 7, the world was already completed, but what, some of the things we learned during then was that we should call all our families to be involved in the work of God. Mm-hmm. And in verse 3, it talks about the dawn. And I want you to make... mark it. Open your Bible and mark and mark and mark because 
some of us must have forgotten. So you you mark as they are referring to verses. Yes. Okay. From verse two, Anani was the one that was put in charge. Mm-hmm. One thing we learned there it says because he was a man of integrity, which we learned from chapter one, mm-hmm. and he feared God more than most people do. Mm-hmm. So that was why Nehemiah could put him in charge. Um, Nick has already spoken about verse 3 already and our role as parents. Um, later on, it talks about the captain who entered Israel. And she's also spoken about the city being a large and spacious place like cathedrals. So she's already mentioned that. In verse 6, we learned that some people were excluded. And some families' names were not mentioned because of what has befell the family in the past. And we pray that our families will never be excluded. Mm. Um, I've gone on to verse, because there were now names. In verse 64, I meant to say verse 64. Then in verse 70, the head of the, the, head of the family and governors were given charge of what to do. And by the end of the chapter, of that chapter, we found out that people were able to live in their own houses. So after they've completed the work of God, they now went to live in their houses, and it now led us on to Esther teaching us the word of God in chapter 8. Okay. One of the main things that is in this chapter is record keeping. And we look at the, um, all the people that return, the gatekeeper, singer, Levite, they mention them accordingly. But there is a tribe, according to what our sister said, that their name were not written in the book of life. Um, those whose names were not in the record, that's verse 64 to 65. For reference purposes, and eight to, verse 8 to 60 should help us have the right attitude towards record keeping. Keeping record is very essential. And in that chapter 8, it talks about the, re- the reading of the law that Ezra read the law to the people and what happened to the people? Who can tell me one thing about the people? When they hear the law, what, what happened to them? They repented. Amen. And also looks at, uh, look at the boots. We are not going to look into that. Can somebody contribute more? Again, chapter 9. What happened to the people in chapter 9? They confessed their sins. Yes. The leaders were able to lead them. They fasted, they prayed. Uh, which is a very good sign. Each time that the word of God is read to them. And, uh, you know, the leaders that led them in that chapter, chapter 9, were able to lead them through the word of God, reminding them about their lifestyle in Egypt, their lifestyle. uh, uh, When they read to them, they read to them about their lifestyle from Abraham, you know, and also their lifestyle when they were in Egypt and all the rest of that. And when they all heard the word, what happened to them? They said they repented. And by themselves, they did what? They agreed to do something. Yes, to dedicate themselves to the Lord and they agreed to do something. Who can tell me what they agreed to do? Towards the end of that chapter 9. That is to write an agreement and to soak themselves and sign it. And that is in that last chapter 38. And because of all these, we make a sure covenant and write it. Our leaders, our Levites, and our priests did what? Sealed it. 
you must know about that. And chapter 10 talks about the people who did what? Who sealed the covenant. Yes? And who are the people who sealed the covenant? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what happened to that covenant? The covenant was what? From that 28, what happened to the covenant? And the covenant was what? Sealed again so that they can agree to do the will of God. And what happened in chapter 11? There is something that happened in chapter 11 about how they should come and live where? In Jerusalem. Yes. But even, even though they were, there are only few of them that agree to live in Jerusalem. And I did explain to you what Jerusalem is. Why should we live in Jerusalem? Because chapter 7 verse 4 talks about Jerusalem being spacious. And they were asked to come and live in Jerusalem. The people that did not want to live in Jerusalem, like we have unbelievers outside Jerusalem today. So what did I tell, tell us about these unbelievers? What are we supposed to do to, to them? We are to evangelize them. Amen? And bring them. And what happened to the people that dwell outside Jerusalem? You can see that from verse 25. What happened to them? The people that dwelt outside Jerusalem, what happened to them? They also came to join the work in Jerusalem. The work of dedication and all the rest of that. Amen? Amen. After Nehemiah had finished uh, uh, dedicating the wall, what happened to, to them in chapter 13? Because we see in dedicating the work that a lot of people took part in dedicating the wall and a lot of things were being restored. I'm just trying to frame it now. Amen? As they te- dedicated the wall, things were put in shape. And after that, Nehemiah felt, okay, I can now leave and come back. But after Nehemiah had put things in place, put people in position of responsibilities and all the rest of that, what happened to the people? They went back to their old ways. What was their old ways that they went back into chapter 13? That is it. They married... Initially, when Nehemiah came back, he was able to, like, okay, let them study the word again. He was able to tell them about the word of God and how they will not marry unbelievers or allow foreigners, you know, to come into their midst. But yet, they allow foreigners to come. He said uh, in that chapter 13, he said, On that day, they had read from the book of Moses in the hearing of the people, and in it was found written that no Ammonite or Moabite should ever come into the assembly of of God because they had not met the children of Israel with bread and water that is signifying peace, but hired Balaam against them to curse them. You can see that in the book of Numbers 23 to 25. He said, however, had God turned the curse into a blessing. So it was. When they had heard the law, they did what? They separated all the missed multitude, that is the foreigners, that are the missed multitude, from Israel. Then the rest of the chapter talks about the reform of, uh, of uh, Nehemiah. Who can tell me a little bit about the reform of Nehemiah? What did Nehemiah now do? Because when Nehemiah left, even the priests started doing wrong things, yes? 
give the microphone to our sister there. Basically, the priest here yeah, rented out a room to Tobiah, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tobiah, he wasn't... That's the room not, where the sacred things yeah. of God were kept? Yeah, he, yes. rent, mm-hmm. he, he rented that room out to Tobiah, and he wasn't supposed supposed to do that. So he um, Nehemiah got very angry about it, but it was like a holy ang- anger in the sense of, in he wasn't he got angry like the way how Jesus got angry when with the people that were selling stuff in the in the temple and you know he had to tell tell the guy you know you have you, what the to right thing, thing to do was that he have to leave and everything yeah and he put now put people in position four people he now put in position people of great integrity people that were faithful put them in position to be able to do to serve uh, and do the work of ministry. What other thing did Nehemiah do? Who can help from there? On Sabbath day, that is that one we must really put a lot of question mark. Every one of us, we are really in this business of buying and selling on Sabbath day. So let's, we must really pray. It's a thing we have to pray. Amen. Amen. Because I'm not even exempted, so that you will know, so that I can pray for me too. Do you understand? So that we might be able to be very serious when we read the word of God and be like these people. When they hear the word of God, they will repent. But do we go back to it? That is it. And what he mentioned uh, about uh, marrying foreign women as well and what happened to Solomon, what example of Solomon was given. Yes, talk, talk, take the microphone and talk. I was just saying that he gave an example that can't they remember that that was the sin that Solomon committed? Mm-hmm. So it's the same. When Solomon, what, what sin was that? Marrying foreign women. And that also guided. Verse 26. They turned the heart of. Turned it from God. Okay. Yeah. And as with Neymar, Neymar was able to do a very good work of reform. Amen. Amen. He restored, he put everything in position. Say Nehemiah make the priest and Levite to do the right thing again. You know, peradventure, as a man of God is leading us, we must make sure that we are doing the right thing. He's telling us, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. We must make sure that we are not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. We must make sure that we are doing the right thing at the right time and making sure that we are serving God the way we ought to serve God. He talks about, even talk about this Sabbath, he talks about people of terror. You know, they bring fish. There's something that is notable to the people of terror. They bring fish to come and sell fish at the fish gate. You know, we must take note of all these things on the Sabbath. But what did Nehemiah do when he noticed that? He shut the gates and put priests and Levites, capable people in charge of these places and he did another thing he purified the priest the temple and everything so as people of god once we are in the in the as we are in the will of god we must make sure that we put things right as jesus did it amen, amen. jesus is our center of focus we must focus how did jesus do this what did jesus do when this thing happened because nehemiah also is a type of jesus Amen. 
God knows the reason, like I would say, like Esther, why we are here at this time, why we are studying for such a time as this, Esther said. Paradventure, that is the reason why God placed me in this position for such a time as this. God has placed Nehemiah in position at that time for such a time as this. God has made us to be studying this book of Nehemiah for such a time as this so that we can be instrument of change to a lot of people around us. And the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Paradventure, I didn't say any other thing. You want to contribute, we let uh, Pastor Abuaba contribute first. Because he said you have something to say. Then we pass it to Sister Mercy. And I want us to be brief now. Yes, is there another person? So that I can stamp it and we pray. Praise Amen. God. Hallelujah. What I want to conclude that is that uh, Nehemiah taught us the principle of effective leadership. Mm-hmm. And I've listed some, some here. He said he established reasonable and tactical goal. Mm-hmm. He has a sense of mission. Mm-hmm. He was willing to get involved. Mm-hmm. He arranged his priority in order to accomplish his goals. Mm-hmm. He patiently waited for God's timing. He showed respect to his superior. He prayed at a critical time. He made his request with tactics and gloriously. He was well prepared, thought of his need in advance. He went through proper channel. He took time, three, day, three days to rest, to pray, and to plan. He investigated the situation firsthand. He informed others only after he knew the size of the problem. He identified himself as one with, with the people. He set before them a reasonable and attainable goal. He assured them that God was in the project. He displayed self-confidence in facing obstacles. He displays God's confidence in facing obstacles. He does, he does not argue with opposition. He was, he was not discouraged by opposition. And this is what I also refer to in Jeremiah 1, verse 1 to 4. He said he recognized a need. Jeremiah 1, verse 1 to 4. He set a goal, Jeremiah 2, 1 to 5. He devised a plan, Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 6 to 8. He selected materials and method, Nehemiah 2, 11, 16. He motivated, he motivated the workers, Nehemiah 2, 17 to 18. He delegated responsibility, Nehemiah 3, 1 to 5. He provided for continuous success, Jeremiah 7, 1 to 3. And there are, there are four steps, five steps are written down here. The first step, he gathered the facts which is Jeremiah 2, 12, 16. Step two, he created a need in his, in his years. So he created a need for people to understand the goals and way to achieve everything. Step three, he revealed past success, Jeremiah, Nehemiah 2, 18a. Step four, he revealed adequate resources, Nehemiah 2, 18. And he secured, he, he secured the worker, he, he committed everyone to be particular of the job. And what he actually do also is that when he assigned the job, he looked at the need of where the people lives and he makes sure that the world is divided among them closer to where they live so that they'll be able to carry out the tax. Praise God. In chapter 1, Nehemiah was described as a cup bearer to the king. 
But in chapter 10, he became the governor of the land. So the key thing there is, because Nehemiah was so zealous for God's work, God remembered him for good indeed and promoted him above everyone else in the land and made him to become the governor of the land, similar to Joseph. So the same thing we apply to us today. And, you know, so as we zealously do God's work with all of our heart, as we team up with Apostle Mamioma to do God's work here in the temple with all of our heart and all over the world, God will make us to be rulers in this country. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Yes, our sister. Is there another person because I'm rounding it up now? Okay. Uh, all of them. You know, I'm looking forward to uh, people naming the. Okay, we have Ezra too. Uh, then, uh, which other one did we study? Micah. We have not seen. So, those of you that are pregnant, begin to look for names. Uh, Ezekiel, yes. So, begin to look for names. Okay. Yeah. I'll just say some few things that I wrote down. I said Nehemiah had unswerving loyalty to God. That is, he has the counsel of God in his heart. So, and I gave examples of a father in the Lord and a mother in the Lord. And I said, um, Nehemiah was a man who was wise in taking proper precautions against attacks of the enemies. And through these skills, he was able to surmount all obstacles and overcome his enemies. Um, then Nehemiah fasted and interceded for Israel. Then Nehemiah also reminded God of his promise to Moses, Nehemiah 1, 8 to 10, and that God should prosper the Israelites who desire to fear God's name. I also said that Nehemiah requested the king to send him to Judah to build the city. Then in chapter 3, the rebuilding began, and Nehemiah rebuked the proud and the nobles who did not put their uh, next to the works of God, Nehemiah 3, 5. So those who were willing and obedient, people shared, those who were willing and obedient, people shared a common purpose to rebuild, renovate, and repair the walls of Jerusalem. And I will just mention some other points, which I would, I said in chapter, on, in chapter 6, though there were open oppositions, mischief, evil devices, and false rumors about Nehemiah, Nehemiah was persistent in his task of doing God's work because he had a definite aim of rebuilding God's building and ensuring there were no breach or gaps left in the walls. Nehemiah 6.3 That even when Sambalat and Tobiah sent for him with evil intentions to do him mischief, he discerned that such... He decided that such meeting they sought to have with him was useless. Nehemiah 6.24 That even when she might advised that they should hide in the temple, he even refused to hide himself in the temple because he knew he was not doing anything wrong and perceived that God did not sin, but that Sambalat and Tobiah hired him. Nehemiah 6.10 So, I said we should not be tempted to tempt God. Despite all these rumors and evil wisdoms of Nehemiah's fools, Nehemiah 6.5-7 He still had that confidence to seek the face of God through prayers and it was strengthened by God. You know I'm happy for these two people. They are coming to Bible study. That shows that they're giving back to a leader already. Amen. 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 Um, 
the contribution I wanted to make was what stood out to me, and I think in the services, Apostle, Pastor Debbie and Mummy really laid on this. Basically, in Ezra, not Ezra, Nehemiah chapter 8, Ezra read the book of the law, and the people were before the Lord for many, many hours. And one point I want to make is the fact that we can't be clock watching when we come to church. We have to be in the presence of God and enjoy being in that presence. Clock watching. <laughs> we have to enjoy being in the presence of God. We have to come to church, know why we're here. We have to come with expectant hearts. We have to enjoy praise and worship. We have to enjoy the message. We have to just enjoy being in the presence of God, even in our homes, because we have to take the book of the law to our, to our homes as well. So in our families, we have to read the book of the law. We have to be Ezra in our homes, be Ezra in our church. And also in Nehemiah chapter 5, the, Nehemiah corrected the nobles and the officials. And one point I wanted to make, because when I read this, I thought, wow, because they were corrected and they took heed to that correction. So during the service, we, are, we may be corrected on a regular basis. It doesn't mean that the man and woman of God hate us. It means that they love us. That's why they're correcting us. And that we have to take heed and obey those instructions and not argue. We didn't read here that they argued with Nehemiah. We read that they said, uh, let me just get to what they said. They said in verse 12, um, we will give it back, they said, I will not demand anything more from them. We will do as you say. So I think we just need to have that attitude with the man and woman of God. Amen. Would you like to be part of a vibrant church in the midst of beautiful, awe-inspiring surroundings? Christ Faith Tabernacle at the CFT Cathedral Woolwich is now open for all. Apostle Alfred Williams, apostolic leader to churches around the globe, warmly invites you to come and be part of this incredible move of God. Every Sunday at 10am, 186 Power Street, Woolwich, London. In our beautiful, recently refurbished cathedral, we are seeing miracles happen, people healed, needs are met, lives are transformed. The Word of God is preached with power through Apostle Alfred Williams. I want you to know this, that there is a God in heaven who has sent His Son, Jesus Christ, and by Him, anyone who believes in Him, carry the very authority of God which, with which He created the heavens and the earth. Jesus said, freely you receive and freely give. I want to say this to you, stop going around to people, kneel down where you are. Talk to the God who created the heavens and the earth in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and you will receive your miracle now. And be sure not to miss our two life-changing events. Overcomers Night Vigil, hear the voice of God, receive life-changing teaching, be lifted through dynamic worship. Become an overcomer on the last Friday of every month at 7pm. And also come and celebrate with us at our exciting monthly victory nights. Receive your breakthrough. Be empowered to win. Come and claim your victory on the first, second and third day of every month. Whatever age, nationality or background you are from, there is something very special for you at the Christ Faith Tabernacle Cathedral Woolwich. Every Sunday at 10am, 186 Power Street, Woolwich, London, SE18 6NL.